Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 77 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Who'd have thought we'd be extracting honey so soon? The summer season has flown by and I'm heading into the honey room to get set up to extract the summer supers over this weekend. Listen on for a rundown of my extraction setup and how I extract from over 60 colonies in a room that measures just three metres square. short and sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Before we head into the honey room, I wanted to say a big thank you to Craig from Jedborough, one of our Patreon supporters who very kindly drove down to Norfolk this week to spend a few days helping out and inspecting bees. Craig is new to beekeeping and he's been absorbing all of my videos and podcasts on Patreon and offered to lend a hand for a few days, so not wanting to turn away any help, I swapped around the workload a little so that we could get over to the workshop and clean up a rather large stack of frames and boxes that needed to be cleaned instead of extracting honey this week. A lot of the boxes are left over from the early season oilseed rape extraction, where we had to cut out the comb and honey as it had granulated in the frames and couldn't be extracted in the normal way. This leaves a lot of frames that need to be roughly scraped and tied into bundles before being boiled and cleaned, ready to take fresh foundation in the spring next year, before going back into the hives. We also scrape out the supers and scorch them lightly as part of our ongoing disease management, and this also entails removing the frame runners and either washing them before replacing, or if they're too badly damaged, we replace them. I think I might have mentioned before that I'm switching my super frames over to manly frames. These are the straight, wide-sided frames instead of the more traditional SN1s or SN4s. SN1s are the narrow, straight-sided frames for supers, and the SN4s are the Hoffman-style spacing. It's interesting that there are so many different types of frames that you could use, and each beekeeper no doubt has his or her favourite. The same applies to the frame runners in the supers. I've always used castellated runners with a set spacing for 10 frames, although I have tried 11 and 9 frame runners. The point here is that you start using frames with foundation and have 11 frames, meaning that the frames are placed closer together and hopefully the bees draw out the foundation perfectly straight before progressing to 10 frame runners and finally nine frame runners, thereby getting more honey per frame, which ultimately means less frames to extract. The trouble with this is if you have more than a few supers, it can get a bit confusing when you think you've got a 10 frame spacing and it's 11 or 9. Add to that the need to get everything organised and in its proper place, it always seemed to start off well at the beginning of the season, but then somehow I would run out of supers and have to mix and match and any semblance of order goes out of the window. Switching to the manly frames means 10 frames per box, equally spaced in each and every box. Sure, sometimes the bees don't draw out the wax perfectly, but that's down to me not getting my timings right and trying, probably, to get too few bees to do too much work. Anyway, back to the workshop cleanup. I wouldn't normally carry out the cleanup until the colder months when the bees are less active and the wasps are either hibernating or dead, 
but I couldn't fit everyone into the honey room to help with extracting this week, and having Craig here to help would mean we could get a lot of cleaning done in a short space of time, so I switched the workload around to make best use of the manpower. We pretty much emptied the workshop of all the boxes that needed cleaning, and set up a few pallets in the paddock at the rear of the workshop to give somewhere to stand all of the supers and frames. With one person removing frames and scraping them, another scraping out the boxes, and another tying up the frames ready for boiling, we soon had a half-decent process in place. I forgot to mention, Steph came over to help as well. It also gave me an opportunity to get into the workshop and reorganise where everything needed to be stacked. It's my first full season with the workshop, and having somewhere specific for each and every piece of kit makes life so much easier when it comes to seeing what you have in terms of the available equipment and also what needs attention by way of cleaning or repairing. We managed to load up quite a few supers with frames and foundation over the early part of the season, and some of these haven't been used, so we'll store these ready for next year now. My preference is to store supers and brood boxes with foundation or drawn comb out in the apiaries where they'll be needed, not only does this make life a lot easier when you're in an apiary needing to grab a super, but it frees up a lot of space in the workshop too. Of course, the boxes need protection when they're out in the apiaries, especially if they have drawn comb in them, so I set them up on a pallet with either a varroa mesh fixed to an eek or a queen excluder beneath the boxes. This is to stop the mice or other rodents getting into them. Once I've got a reasonable stack, maybe 8 or 10 high, I pop on a roof or roof tin and surround them with chicken wire to prevent the dreaded green woodpecker from getting at them. They can then sit quite happily through the winter until they're required again in the spring. Meanwhile, back at the workshop cleanup, we managed to create a couple of large piles of frames to be boiled and boxes to scorch and add runners to again. There was also a lot of old comb to render down, ready for wax exchange. This is the old comb from the brood boxes, and that's quite dark and not something that I really want to use myself to produce either candles or this year for the first time some foundation of our own. I want the nice light coloured wax from the supers for that and I've kept it to one side specifically for that use. This darker dirtier wax, although clean enough, would take me far too much time and energy to clean sufficiently to reuse so I'll bag it up and take it to one of the shows for wax exchange with one of the beekeeping equipment suppliers. Here I have to say I drift into stove envy. That's right, stove envy. Sad to say, but both Pete and I have propane gas stoves to heat up the water for cleaning and rendering wax. I had set up my stove and it was gradually warming the water but not particularly quickly. Pete spotted this and suggested using his stove which would do the job a lot quicker. We swapped the stoves over, and sure enough, Pete's stove was like a jet engine, roaring away with a flame that would have put Wallace and Gromer into orbit around the moon. How the heck was that possible, I thought. We both had the same stove, and we both used the same gas bottle. I could feel the envy levels rising. The answer? Regulators. Gas bottle regulators. These, as the name suggests, regulates the amount of gas coming out of the bottle and through into the stove. It appeared I had bought a regulator from a camping shop that reduced the flow of the gas to the point that it's safe to use in a caravan type setting, whereas it appears Pete has purchased his from British Aerospace or somewhere similar, where the gas flow is either at high or unregulated levels. All very impressive. <laughs> 
following a lengthy discussion about the pros and cons of gas regulation, and of course my necessary lecture to Pete about health and safety. Anyway, following this discussion, Pete placed an order online for the same regulator for my stove, so soon we'll both be able to launch a Saturn V rocket into near-Earth orbit. Mars, here we come. Today as I write the podcast script, yes, believe it or not, I do actually put words down on paper before I record it. Well, I say paper, on the computer. But today I've sent Craig over to the workshop to meet up with Pete to carry on the clean-up as I work here in the office. Hopefully the wax rendered yesterday has produced a decent amount and it will show Craig how useful it is to save every bit of wax, no matter how small an amount. Tomorrow I'm hopefully going to repay Craig for his hard work this week by taking him on a tour of a few apiaries and showing him how to inspect my bees. Of course I'll be putting him to work inspecting the bees too and I always suggest to beginner beekeepers that they try to get in front of as many beehives as possible as soon as possible as the experience gained is massive. With just a couple of hives and a weekly inspection routine and our active season of approximately 20 to 25 weeks you're only going to look into your hives around 40 or 50 times. It's possible to see that many hives in one day's inspecting with me, so the potential experience gained is massive. And on that note, if any of you out there would like to join me for a day's beekeeping, do check out my website for information or drop me a message via the usual channels. As I mentioned in my opening comments, it's extraction time. My small but perfectly formed honey room is far too small to fit in more than one chunky beekeeper. That's me, not Craig. So I have delayed extracting until this weekend. I'll be shooting a video showing the extraction process of the summer honey, so do look out for that on my Patreon page soon. There is enough space in the honey room for me to extract up to 40 supers at any one time. It gets a bit tight with that many supers, but it's perfectly possible. I know a lot of you will be taking over the kitchen in your homes for extraction, and that's fine, but you do need to make sure you take a few precautions before grabbing the first frame to uncap. We are talking about a food product here, so cleanliness and health and safety are everything. Make sure it's bee-proof too, because if it's not, you'll soon find out, and if bees can get in, then wasps are sure to follow. Oh, and absolutely no pets in the kitchen at the same time too. A few years ago, I visited a beekeeper who was extracting honey while his cats and dogs were wandering around the kitchen at the same time. Yuck! Anyway, back to my honey room. As I said, it measures three metres square and will be perfectly good for as many as a hundred hives. You just have to be organised, and in this room, I'm spot on. As you enter the room, the full supers sit on the floors in trays on the left-hand side, ready to be worked. My workflow is clockwise, from the left, and here's how it works. The supers come into the honey room and are lifted one by one onto a square stainless steel set of flat scales which sit on a stainless steel table. On the scales I have a jig which pushes all of the frames out of the super to make it easier to handle them. Once the gross weight is noted, each frame is taken over to the Swenty Appy Melter which is a large warming cabinet that I extract into. Sitting on the Appy Melter I have my Carl Fritz brush uncapper this is an electric motor which has a nylon brush attached to it which spins rapidly when switched on. Holding the frame in both hands I can lift it close to the spinning brush and remove all of the cappings which then fly down into the appy melter. 
will mostly fly down into the appy melter. If you hold the frame too close, you can pick up quite a lot of uncapped honey, which flies around the brush and can easily cover you. So you do have to pay attention. But a little practice goes a long way, and you soon get the hang of where the right position is. From here, we move clockwise to the extractor. If you imagine the door of the honey room is at six o'clock, the super's at eight o'clock, the weighing table is around nine o'clock and the appy melter between 10 and 11 o'clock, the extractor is at 12 o'clock. Hopefully you get the picture. My extractor is a Carl Fritz 20 frame radial electric extractor and takes national frames, both brood and super, commercial frames, both brood and super, and also Langstroth frames. I've only tried the super frames thus far, but it looks like it will also take brood frames as well. Perfect for what I'm doing, as I like to try to show a wide range of different hive types. Once extracted, the honey is poured into the strainer. I have a Giordan double strainer, but only use a coarse strainer at this point, as a lot of my customers like to have the honey to contain as much pollen as possible. Although there's no legal definition of raw honey, this is as close to straight from the hive as we can get, unless of course we're cutting out comb for cut comb sales. Raw honey is a whole other can of worms to discuss at another time, no doubt. Anyway, the honey out of the extractor goes into a bucket and then into the strainer, which is set above a 100 kilo Jordan settling tank. Here, we're at about two o'clock on the clock face. This removes the larger particles of wax and other debris from the extraction process. From here, it's drained into 30 or 60 pound honey buckets, depending on what I have available. Now we're at three o'clock and the buckets of honey are weighed, the water content of the honey is tested using a honey refractometer, the bucket's labelled and this happens at about four o'clock and then they're stored. That's four o'clock on the clock face, not four o'clock in the afternoon. The empty supers are refilled with empty frames and reweighed to get a weight minus the wax and honey and this is entered into a spreadsheet on my iPad here, an automatic calculation gives me the net weight of the honey and wax. These supers are then stacked in the garage, ready to be reloaded onto the truck to take back to the apiary to go back on the hives from where they were removed. The only additional process I include is if I'm bottling honey straight away instead of filling buckets for storage. Here, the honey goes into my Carl Fritz 100 kilo creamer unit, which I use as a settling tank for runny honey and this is connected to my Swenty bottling machine. The honey in the creamer is left to settle out for a day or two and then bottled. So you can see with a very limited amount of space, it is possible to create a workflow that allows you to extract a lot of honey from a lot of supers. I can get through all of my extraction over the course of one long weekend and have everything bottled or stored in buckets within a week. It then takes another few days to get everything washed and cleaned up though. This is probably the biggest chore of the entire process. Oh no, wait, cleaning frames and scraping boxes is probably a bigger chore. Thank goodness Pete and Craig are busy doing that while I'm sorting the podcast. I should really get back over there to see if Pete's stove is in orbit yet. Look out for a full list of links to the equipment I have on my Patreon page and catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the growing content list there as well. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. Well, that's it for today. I hope you have a great beekeeping week and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks 
And that was beekeeping, short and sweet. Yeah.